0: Listening to Radio Maria, it is time for our Credo programme this evening. And we have today, I'm very glad to be welcoming again Father Bernardino. He is a Franciscan friar of the Renewal and he is serving at St. Patrick's Friary in Limerick. This is his fourth and final Advent reflection. He's been opening up for us scriptures and has done this beautifully and with very particular sensitivity and thought to those of you who are suffering during this season, especially given it's a time that the church calls us to be be joyful. Father Bernardino, welcome.
1: Thank you, Aileen, thank you so much. It's good to be back. And my dear brothers and sisters, I want to again greet you in the words of our Holy Father, St. Francis of Assisi. May the Lord give you his peace. And again, I wanna pray that his grace may be fully received by you, that you may receive every grace and blessing that you are in need of as we come to an end of this great season of Advent during which we have awaited joyfully the coming of Jesus. And sometimes we, again, I mentioned last time, uh, joy doesn't have to be a feeling. Okay. So when I say joyfully, I really mean it. Like there is a spirit of joy that God gives us. And for those of you who are just coming to join us for the first time last week, uh, I mentioned again how my heart goes out to all of you, especially those who are suffering losses, as Aileen mentioned in the opening of the program, um, because it is a time of grieving, perhaps lost ones, but also the Lord wants to fill our hearts with his joy and his peace and his healing. And so let's just begin with a little prayer consecrating this program to our lady, uh, she who is our loving mother, she who is the one who protects us from all danger. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, let not our hearts be without the joy of Christmas. Let not our hearts be troubled. As Jesus said so in the Holy Scriptures, let not your hearts be troubled, for I have gone to prepare a place for you. Lord, while we are here on earth, we sometimes lose focus and we need to be redirected, redirected on the the path to the Lord, to you, our Heavenly Father, um, that we may come to that place where you want us and that we may be focused on the coming of your Son, and not lose sight with buying gifts, and as beautiful and as joyful as that can be, but also as stressful. We just want you to keep our eyes fixed on you, on your son. Let our hearts grow. Rejo- let our hearts grow in that joy and that peace that you desire for all of us. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Last week, we celebrated Gaudete Sunday. It's the joyful Sunday, the pink or the rose candle on the reef, uh, the Advent reef, you know. And we discussed the meaning of this Latin word, which means to rejoice. As St. Paul exclaims, we are called to rejoice always in the Lord. Always, no matter how difficult our circumstances are in, in anticipation of his coming, This coming Sunday, the joy of Christmas, uh, which is the only, which is only if we, if we think about it, even though we're on a Thursday right now, but we're anticipating on Sunday, it's only a day away from Sunday, this Christmas day, this joy that we've been expecting and anticipating is just awaiting us and the Lord delights in giving that joy to us. And we are celebrating the fourth Sunday of Advent while at the same time. Uh, we're on this on the eve of christmas it's unusual usually we have a few days leading up to christmas day but not not this year this year it's a little bit different and more unique it's like the two come and become one the fourth sunday and eve of christmas one as one Um, because again what is the lord teaching us that advent is it's not a you know we think about a time of penance when we wear the purple and um but it's not like Lent. It's not a Lent. It's, it's a mini Lent, you can call it. But it's more of a joyful, this this joy of anticipating is coming, but yet he's not yet here. Yet that's what we're wanting and desiring in our hearts. So there there can be a little penitential aspect to it, of course. But um, we as Franciscans, we do fast a little bit. It's a mini fast uh, leading up to this time of great joy. And in, And I'm from Slovakia originally, so... We, in in our tradition, would fast on the eve of Christmas, you know? So it, there is something to that, of course. We would fast from abstaining from eating meat, for instance. And on Christmas Day, the great day of our, of our Lord's coming, the great joy of his coming, we celebrate it with greater solemnity, right? With with food, with meat, with cho- cho- choices, wines, and whatever else we can have, right? Um But this joy of Christmas is not limited to a feeling of joy. Remember, I mentioned that earlier, but rather it is the fruit of the Holy Spirit rooted in his love. It is rooted in his love, as I mentioned and reflected on the theme of joy with you last week. Now, our joy is complete in the joy of the coming of the baby Jesus. Just think of a baby. Think of holding him or her. You know, I have some friends who are expecting uh, their little ones. And this Christmas is unlike any other Christmas because they're actually, uh, the mother is feeling the baby in her womb. So she's like reflecting on it, what it would have been like for Mary, carrying the the baby Jesus in her womb, how he would kick and how he would make himself felt and the spirit of the Lord being upon our lady. Um, it's a beautiful image of of our Lord coming in such a small and tiny way. Um, so this baby Jesus whom we've been joyfully anticipating the last three weeks, he's come. and but why should his joy be true to our hearts? I mean, suppose we are suffering. why 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 this great joy then to our hearts? Well, you know, Jesus, his kingdom has come. And because the reign of Jesus has come and his kingdom shall stand firm forever as we will hear in the gospel, this is reason to rejoice because he has overcome everything, all our sadness, all our difficulties. And he reminds us of how innocent we need to be to see that. Blessed are the pure of heart for they shall see God. My dear brothers and sisters, it's all about our purity. It's all about being able to see as he sees. Our perceptions are not the same as His. And that's why sometimes we have this immense pain because we see things differently. We don't have this uh, foresight. And, And in fact, we might have a hindsight, but not a foresight. Unless He reveals it to us in some unique and special privileged way, we have to stand on our faith. So now is the time for His reign. Now, today, because He has come. And because his throne shall stand firm forever. There is on earth the eternal realm of heaven that surrounds us all. And if you and I should choose to live and reign in Christ, his eternal realm is within us. It's not just around us, surrounding us. It's within us by our very gift of baptism. How often we forget how close God is. Do you realize that God is closer to us than our very conscience is to us? I heard this in a homily by a great Capuchin priest, Father Angela Shaughnessy. He's closer than our very conscience. And especially when we're suffering in ways that you and I may not feel, but he's there. He knows what it's like. And so I just want to encourage you, dear brothers and sisters, not to lose heart and let not your hearts be troubled. But receive the joy of Christmas. Receive the joy of Christmas. I just want to take this time now to read the first two readings to you because they set the stage for what we're about to speak on and reflect on. The first reading is from the book of Samuel. Samuel, it is written now In the first reading, when King David was settled in his palace, the Lord had given him rest from his enemies on every side. He said to Nathan, the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar. While the ark of God dwells in a tent. Nathan answered the king, go do whatever you have in mind for the Lord is with you. But that night the Lord spoke to Nathan and said, Go tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Should you build me a house to dwell in? It was I who took you from the pasture and from the care of the flock to be commander of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you went and I have destroyed all your enemies before you. I will make you famous like the great ones of the earth. I will fix a place for my people Israel. I will plant them so that they may dwell in their place without further disturbance. Neither shall the wicked continue to afflict them as they did of old. Since the time I first appointed judges over my people, Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also reveals to you that he will establish a house for you. And when your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your, your heir after you sprung from your loins, and I will make his kingdom firm. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me, your throne shall stand firm forever. And St. Paul writes to the letter to the Romans Brothers and sisters, To him who can strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret for long ages, but now manifested through the prophetic writings and according to the command of the eternal God, made known to all nations to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever and ever. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, these readings are powerful and they reflect an urgency and God's timing and plan. We need to take the time to see it through his eyes um, when we reflect on them. First, if we take the second reading, um, St. Paul again proclaims, and this is slightly a different translation of the same scriptures we just read, but it kind of brings it out a little bit more clearly. Jesus Christ, the revelation of a mystery kept secret for endless ages, but now so clear that it must be broadcast to pagans everywhere to bring them to the obedience of faith. There is this urgency there. There is this must like, You and I have lived in darkness, and now a great light has shone. When did Jesus come to us? At midnight, in the middle of the night, when it's dark, pitch dark. The only thing that's lit is that bright star that leads the the wise men to Jesus. And it's in the darkest darkest hour of the night that he comes to us, and that the angels in glory are shown to the, the shepherds. He comes at night because he is the eternal light. This is the only, this is only what scripture has predicted. And it is all part of the way the eternal God wants things to be. It is a plan. It's not just sort of a, you know, like, oh, it's a nice thought. Do you realize with God, there is no nice thought, something like haphazard thought thinking like we have there is an eternal plan there's only plan a there's not a plan b because you know one of the things we we as franciscan's hold true is that even if adam and eve had not sinned jesus still would have come as an infant why well because it says in john 3:16 uh, that god so loved the world that he sent his only son it is out of love that he sends him. That's the primary motive of God. That's the real cause of his coming. The secondary causes are sins, but still Jesus would have come. Why would he have come? Because he wants to show us how intimately connected we are to him in our humanity. He would have still taken it on. And, you know, this is a contentious kind of uh, debate between the Franciscans and the Dominic- Dominicans. But you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter because I believe firmly that God's plan is plan a and not just some plan B all of a sudden that somehow his first plan got thwarted. See that would give too much dominion and strength to de- to Satan and his ilk and his demons, right? Jesus, God almighty, second person of the blessed Trinity would not be thwarted by Satan. And so we have to keep that in mind. So there's a plan a, there is this, God's timing and his plan and his urgency for salvation for us. And how does he do it? He doesn't come with trumpets blaring, although we hear that in when the angels are shown to the shepherds, but he does it in the silence of the night. When he comes back again, yes, they'll everyone will know. Everyone will know and everyone will not deny the fact that Jesus has come. But until then, you and I have to be ready. And so we have a little foretaste of these themes in the first reading as well, within the book of Samuel. The prophet Nathan immediately, immediately responds to King to King David, and he says, go and do all that is in your mind, for the Lord is with you. To go and do what? To build a proper dwelling place for the ark of God. Do you realize David is restless? King David is so restless at this time that quite frankly, he can't sit still. He can't even rest uh, like at night and sleep probably because he's having sleepless nights. He's in this, um, in this house of cedar while, while the, the ark of God, God himself made manifest to the Israelites and placed in this little ark and has a tent made of cloth. I mean, it's not proper, is it? So he wants to do something about it. So this is why he's so restless. He wants to build a living house of God, not made of hand, you know, brick and mortar and all that kind of stuff, obviously. But while he's living in this house of cedar, his heart is like, I long to do this for the Lord. Now, it seems like the perfect timing to build God a dwelling place. But is it? After all, he's the Lord says that he's put all the enemies at at um, you know that there are no more enemies threatening his kingdom. There is peace in the in in his realm. But is this part of God's plan for King David? Let's hear again the scriptures in a slightly different version. Uh, you know, you got to realize scriptures can have um, there. There's different translations, and they're trying to be very close to the very exact meaning of the words written in Hebrew, let's say, or in Latin. Um, You know, and it's hard sometimes to get the exact wording, but let's hear a different translation. The Lord said to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David. Thus the Lord speaks. Are you the man to build me a house to dwell in? I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be leader of my people, Israel. I have been with you on all your expeditions. I have cut off all your enemies before you. I will give you fame as great as the fame of the greatest on earth. Excuse me. The Lord will make you great. The Lord will make you great. The Lord will make you a house. And when your days are ended, You are laid to rest with your ancestors. I will preserve the offspring of your body after you and make his sovereignty secure. I will be a father to him and he a son to me. Your house and your sovereignty will always stand secure before me and your throne be established forever.
0: Father Benedino, would you like me to put some music on and give your throat a rest? (laughs) We have. um, This is Out of the Darkness and it is Tim Hughes. Listening to Credo on Radio Maria this afternoon, we have Father Bernardino, the Franciscan friar of the renewal. In fact, one of the Franciscan friars of the renewal. You're not the only one, are you, Father Bernardino? Benedino? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you, Aileen. Thank you. Basically, what God is saying to King David is as much as he desires to build this temple for the Lord, it's not meant to be. It's not God's plan for King David to build him a proper dwelling. In other words, a temple. It was not God's timing for a magnificent temple to be there yet. And if you think about why, um, in scriptures it says that he spilled too much blood. And so this task would be given to David's son Solomon, where his kingdom, after his father's, would reign in peace. And all the gold and silver and all the precious metals that were stored by King David would be used to build this magnificent temple. And it, but however, it does seem like it's a perfect time because King David, again, his enemies were silenced and no longer any threat. And there is peace in his kingdom now, but it is a humbling thought. Isn't it? That as much as one desires to do something for the Lord, it may not be what he wants. And it may not be his timing and things either. So what's God's will in all this? And you would think, what better timing than now? So why is the Lord waiting? Well, Prophet Isaiah in 55, Isaiah 55, verse 9, reminds us, The heavens are as high above earth as my ways are above your ways, my thoughts above your thoughts. His ways, his timing, his plan is inscrutable. I, You know, we have to be God to be able to um, to understand his ways, and we're not. And so even when tragedy and loss come our way, and we may question where God is in all this, and why would he do such a thing? Know this, there is an eternal wisdom at hand. And his ways, again, are far beyond ours. And when we reflect more on scripture and in the letter to the Romans, verse or chapter 11, verse 33 and following, we hear, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Do you know the story of Job? Job had everything. Job was given the, the best uh, animals. Everything was given to him, his family, everything. And in a blink of an eye, Satan got permission to take it all away from him except for his wife and him, his children, his livestock, his house, Everything. Everything was destroyed. and in the end his health was taken and then he cursed the very day he was born. but you know what the Lord had a plan and the plan was to restore it full full forward like um, yeah, what's the word a uh, uh, hundredfold to give him even more than what he had. Now I just don't understand his ways, but sometimes when we're in that place of difficulty and great suffering, maybe uh, reading, Uh, the book of Job might be helpful. And I just want to come back a little bit to my own personal story. I mentioned in the opening um, Advent series about losing loved ones, and I've been coming to that theme a lot because it's very close to my heart. And so if I'm going to give you a reflection on Advent, it's going to be very personal. And uh, since last November of last year, and great indeed has been A change in my life. I mean, God's timing and plan for my life took me by surprise, to say the least. Um, In November of last year, my father passed away suddenly. And God's timing was not my timing because, in fact, I went to Fatima on the very day he died. Why? Well, because I got news that he was getting better. And I was in the midst of uh, going on a pilgrimage with a pilgrim group from New York Um, Fatima Shrine, and then I was planning to do what we call a solitude, like five or eight days of prayer, silent prayer on our own. And so I was going to have an extended time in Fatima. And when I was talking to my brother, everything seemed like that is stable enough and I can have time to do this and then go and see him. It wasn't meant to be because on the very day, on the 10th day of November, I landed in Fatima and that day my father passed away. Now, it was very consoling when I was there, though. Again, his timing, you know, I wanted to be there as a priest for my dad and that he wouldn't die suddenly and have an unprepared death, perhaps. But in that interim, I was praying to Padre Pio, a novena, and I was begging Padre Pio Pio to intercede for him because, see, my dad wasn't in a state of grace. He was wavering back and forth. And when he got admitted to the hospital in the very beginning, there was an extraordinary Eucharistic minister that came um, to help the chaplain in the hospital to bring Holy Communion to my dad. Now, my dad said he would not refuse. He refused receiving Jesus. And that was the right answer. That was the right response because he wasn't ready. You know, too many too often do we. Want to receive Holy Communion, and we do it in a a way of sin, like in a state of sin, and we don't want that on our soul in addition to the sins we already have. So we need to be ready and made clean. But he hadn't been in confession in years. So he said no, and so she left. And you know, fast forward, I think it was November 5th. It was the first Saturday. Now, if you know anything about Fatima and First Saturdays, there's a connection. And so it's very important. It's a very important connection for me because Our Lady promises many graces for those who pray the Rosary and do and and pray for salvation of souls. And and when we make the first Saturdays, um, you know, there is a promise uh, by Our Lady as well. We can look that up later on. I'll let you do that on your own. But the thing is, I knew that Our Lady was with my dad, and so. My dad received Holy communion on the first Saturday. She came back that same person that came the first time came back a second time. And this time my dad was ready. So what happened between the first time and and the last time? Well, there was, there was a priest who came and visited him, anointed him. And I hope heard his confession because I was praying for that grace and see, my dad would not have received Jesus in the Eucharist. uh, If he knew that he was in a state of mortal sin. And so something broke, something changed. And God's timing was amazing because a few days later he died. That was his last Holy Communion, the Atticum, food for the journey. And that gave me great peace and consolation that Padre Pio was interceding and gave this grace, that he got this grace. Because can you imagine being at that point where you don't know how long you have, right? And his health was wavering back and forth. And he didn't know he was going to pass away from a heart attack, a massive heart attack. And that's what happened. But God provided for his for his journey. And when I think of my mom, who died this year as well, on the 24th of August, I had a great sense that this time God was going to give me um, an anticipated time of with my, with my mom before she dies, that I would be with her. And I long for that in my heart. And somehow when you, I'm actually brothers and sisters right now, I'm in Knock right now. And as an aside, I brought my brother here today and to view and to be present to the grave where my mom is in Knock. And so it was a very emotional, emotional time. For my brother and I together because we didn't have this at our fun- at the funeral he wasn't the way he wasn't able to come so it was very emotional. And so here I am in knock and I'm reflecting on how our, our lady came to my mom's defense because when we were talking about her passing, she wanted to be buried in back where um, her you know dad was buried and I said, well that's going to be too too difficult, mom. What about here in Ireland? What about knock? And as soon as I said knock, because we talked about knock, being in a beautiful place and Our Lady's apparition and everything. So as soon as we spoke about that, there was something in my heart that it was like I had this knowledge that somehow my mom, when she said yes to the idea of being buried in knock, somehow I would be present to my mom around the time of Our Lady of Knock, her, her feast day. And then my mom would not die be, uh, uh, before then, but rather around the time of Our Lady Anak. And it happened that way. See, God's plan and his timing in my life was amazing because I was called to go to World Youth Day and take our youth um, and drive our youth from Ireland, believe it or not. We took the ferries and got over to the mainland and we drove all that time. My uh, father, Joseph and I, two vehicles, we took uh, six, seventeen 17 youth with us or 15, actually. Um, and there we were driving and see, I didn't want, I was torn whether I should go or not. And I had this peace then later that, no, you will see your mom. Okay. So I went and I would get these text messages. Your mom's doing okay. She's not eating much, but we're with her and praying. It was all consoling and it gave me a comfort knowing that people were visiting her and being with her in hospital. And so when I came back, brothers and sisters, I had 13 days left. I arrived on the Our Lady uh, on a feast of St. Clair on the 11th of August and the next 13 days I had with mom. And um, she died on the 24th, which is only three days after Lady Enoch. The 21st is the apparition. So what a gift and consolation to me, right? So I was there. God made it clear. And his plan was different from that of my dad's passing. And lastly, I'll just end with uh, the the third person to die in my family, my sister-in-law. You know, she only died 12 days after the one-year anniversary of my dad's passing. So she died on the 22nd. And she she loved music. She really had a passion for music. And you know, she died on the feast of St. Cecilia, patroness of music. It's a gift to know how God calls and how he take how he gives life and how he takes it and his timing on on, on this, on, on our journey here on earth. And it was, it's a very tough and difficult time for my brother right now. So here we are mourning the loss of mom, but he's mourning the loss of his wife. And so before our break, I just want to take this moment of scriptures again. Uh, St. Le- uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. It's talking about death in a way that is beautiful. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is, uh, live in is destroyed, we have a building from God a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens here indeed we groan and long to put our heavenly to to put on our heavenly dwelling so that by putting it on we may not be found naked for while we are still in this tent this body of ours this tent we sigh with anxiety that not that we would be unclothed but We are good. We are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. God has gone to prepare a place for us, our eternal reward. And so while we're anticipating this time of Christmas, his coming here on earth. He's preparing us to be with him in heaven. And so when you're thinking about Christmas and the joy of Christmas. Reflect on the joy being with him in heaven. Our eyes must be fixed on him there. Brothers and sisters, we'll return in a moment and to continue with the gospel and to read the gospel to you and to reflect further on the gospel in connection with the readings, okay? We hear from you in a moment. God bless you.
0: This is Come to Us, Emmanuel.
2: feet Isaiah's vision did stand for when you descended into this world to bring good news set the prison Eternity, so that we may.
0: You are listening to Radio Maria. We have Father Bernardino speaking with us. And please, Father Bernardino, back over to you.
1: Thank you, Aileen. Thank you so much. So, my dear brothers and sisters, we ended with St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians and how really we're not at home on earth because this is a, a time of passing, but ultimately our home is in heaven. And when we think of Christmas, we have to think of this joy that awaits us beyond this life because when we are suffering... We need to be focused on that joy because we can lose sight of it. And so let's just hear the gospel right now. My dear brothers and sisters, to the honor of our Lord Jesus Christ, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Praise Glory to you, Lord to you Lord. Jesus Christ. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived the son in her old age. And this is the sixth month of, for her who was called barren, for nothing is impossible to God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. A thousand years have passed since the time of King David to the coming of Christ Jesus in the the little crib. A thousand years. How's that for God's timing? You would think, you know, like, um, why so long a period of time? But King David in his Psalms, he writes for a thousand years, in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night god's eternal god's infinite time is not an issue with the lord what seems like in like centuries and eons is nothing is nothing for god and st peter reminds us of the same thing in his second letter chapter 3 he writes but do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's patience, his timing, is for our salvation. And all the losses I mentioned to you in my life this past year, it's all a part of God's plan and His timing. It's rather, it could be His permissive will, like He permits something to happen, right? Or His direct will. So I'm not God, I can't figure it all out. But in faith, I believe. And it's not always easy. But what's amazing about God and His timing and His plan for our salvation um, directly links uh, us to this, to the advent of his son's coming in his, in his sacred humanity. Like, like, again, it's not just somehow um, it happened uh, haphazardly. No, there's a specific timing, a specific plan. And our mate, and our lady was involved in this. She was prepared from, from all eternity, she was called from all eternity, as you and I are called to exist. She was called in a specific time, a specific purpose, to bear the child Jesus in her womb. And the advent of, his, uh, of, of the father's son in his sacred humanity, in this advent of his coming, <clears throat> we are reminded that he makes this dwelling in the Ark of Mary, no longer dwelling in a tent, as we heard in the first reading, nor in a temple made in, uh, with hands as the magnificent temple that, was, uh, that David wanted to build uh, like it was in ancient time, but fashioned by God himself. God made his tent in Mary. Now we can see in the gospel a sense of urgency, God's timing and his plan. It is there, but you have to look closely. Just take a note in the opening line how specific God is about his coming. Like there's a specific person, specific place, and the angel has got this and this mission. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth. It's specific, it's a plan. The virgin betrothed to a name, the man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. God has, there's no mistake with God. There are no mistakes. And if you think about this annunciation of the angel and the incarnation of Jesus, this moment, while it is in time, eternity awaits all of heaven awaits Mary's response. There is an urgency because God has a plan to save us and Mary's part of that plan. And so she, if she says, no, where does that leave you and me? we would be in serious trouble. And so I just want to uh, briefly end on this note um, about this moment in time and eternity. Saint Bernard of Clairvaux has a beautiful homily on uh, which is called in, in Praise of the Virgin Mother. And it's in our breveries. We read this yesterday in our Office of Readings. He writes, You have heard that you shall conceive and bear a son, You have heard that you shall conceive not of man, but of the Holy Spirit. The angel is waiting for your answer. It is time for him to return to God who sent him. We too are waiting, O lady, for the word of pity. Even we who are overwhelmed in wretchedness by the sentence of damnation. And behold, to you the price of our salvation is offered. If you consent straightway, shall we be freed. There's an eternal consequence to Mary's yes. And this is what she's called to. And so Saint Bernard goes on. He says, In eternal in the eternal word of God, in the um sorry, in the eternal word of God were all were we all made. And lo, we die. By one little word of yours, in answer, shall we all be made alive? Adam asks this of you. O loving virgin, poor Adam, exiled exiled as he is from paradise with all his poor, wretched children. Abraham begs this of you. David, this all the this all the Holy Fathers implore, even your fathers who themselves are dwelling in the valley of the shadow of death. This the whole world is waiting for, kneeling at your feet. And, right, and rightly so, for on your lips is hanging the consolation of the wretched, the redemption of the captive, the speedy deliverance of all who otherwise are lost. In a word, the salvation of Adam's children of all your race. This is how important this yes is to, to all of us. And there is an urgency. So my dear brothers and sisters, as we come to some questions, I want you to ponder this Urgency. God's message is urgent. A message of salvation is urgent. His coming is urgent. And He has a timing and a plan in all of this, in your lives, and all the mess that our lives can be sometimes. God's in control. He was in my life with everything that has happened. He's teaching me how to let go and surrender. And it's a very difficult lesson, but I hope you can learn it yourselves. Okay, Aileen. Do you have some questions?
0: Um, yes, we have a caller actually, Father Bernardino. Um, Mar- Margarita, you're on on air. Oh, hello, Margarita.
3: Um, hello. hello,
1: Father
3: Bernardino. Um, I'm. I think it's God's providence to hear these words that you've just been saying because I have been questioning. Maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I'm not asking the Father to show His 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 glory in my in my. Dilemma. My 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 daughter. Um, the last couple of years is slowly, slowly, kind of like pulling pulling herself away from the church and not going to church. And and it's such a great suffering for me. And I keep on thinking, you know, Lord, can you hear me? I'm offering my sufferings. I'm offering my prayers. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? And what you're saying about the timing—that God has not forgotten. That God is present. That this one day. I'm expecting it. I'm impatient, so I'm expecting a miracle like, like that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I believe in his confidence. I have complete confidence in his, and trust in him. But it's like the little voice in my head keeps on saying, where is he? Where is your God? Where is your God? And I, and I don't want to enter into Christmas with any doubt that he has the power. And to hear what you've just said is like God in his own time, not in my time. Will create an, an amazing, an amazing uh, conversion that will be giving him the glory. It's for him, not, to, not, you know, and not to despair, not to lose hope, and not to, tr- you know, to lose this trust in God, in the confidence, um, you know, this virtue of confidence in God. And I'm really grateful to God that I actually got into the car and I didn't hear the beginning of your talk, but I heard um, from the gospel onwards. And I was like, there you go. There's your answer, Max. You know, God is going to do it in his time. I have trust and abandon and surrender to me. And that's it. And so I was really, yeah, I'm really grateful to God to have heard you give this break. Yeah. Praise um, God.
1: You've
3: yeah. me hope again today.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, every the day Lord.
3: I kind of want... Yeah, sorry.
1: No, go ahead. Yeah. No,
3: I was just saying that every day I wake up and the same prayer, you know, like, re, you know, that she may return, her and her husband may return to the Holy Catholic Church in its fullness again, um, yeah. you know, to protect her, to defend her, and, you know, from the attacks of whatever she's going through. You know, the, the world yeah. is so many lies, and she has opened herself up to the listening to that. Karakitas of the world, rather than the Karakitas of the church, she's listening right. to the world just yeah um, so. oh
1: beautiful I'm glad the Lord has been um, making use of the words given to me then and in my little way that I can contribute to some hope in your life yeah, um, I know, and I, and your I, yeah sure and you keep praying a mother's prayers is, are never yeah. um, no, unheard sure. you know yeah. Saint Saint yeah. Monica prayed for Saint Augustine for 30 plus years and
3: oh. <laughs> And there's me complaining after three years
1: (laughs) And she wept a lot And she wept uh, wept And And so uh, A mother's heartache is always hurt So just keep going And um, just be renewed in the sacraments Yourself and in adoration Time spent well with Jesus Okay Yeah, thank you Thank you very much, my God bless you Thank you God bless you all Thank you Merry
3: Christmas. You too. Peace
1: and joy to all. Ave Thank Maria. You. Ave Maria. Ave
0: Maria. Thank you so much, Margarita. Um, we are drawing very close to the end, Father Benedino this okay. afternoon. I just wanted to as I've I also have been very moved by your talk this afternoon. And um just to let you know that what what what, what has brought to mind for me is um some of the practical ways in which I can um, uh, respond to your words. And I'm going to think about people I know who are suffering this Christmas, um, especially those who are recently bereaved and, and even just messaging or giving a call, a small thing, just yeah. to let them know I'm thinking about them. and. Um, I, you also have made me think about how important it is to spend some time in my prayers, thinking about the eternal promises of God. And I tend not to do that. And I think remembering that eternal perspective is really, really important. And you've brought that to open, opened my heart to that in, in the losses I've experienced in my life, not recent, thank God, but to remember that. So thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Thank you, Aileen, for this time, an opportunity to speak to many hearts. And, um, and, you know, yeah, we have to have that eternal perspective, but, you know, I fall short of that too. You know, I, I don't always see and, but the Lord reminds, and so he's gentle with us. So we shouldn't be too hard on ourselves. We shouldn't be hard at all because if God doesn't do it that way, then why should we, you know, um, so we just have to, but uh, more practically speaking, just to spend time with him in adoration, that we must be focused on him at this time of Advent and Christmas and that he comes to us in such a humble way as our food.
0: Thank you. That's beautiful. And a good reminder as well. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um,
1: and God bless you all. Can, would, <laughs> you,
0: would you send us off with a prayer and a breath blessing, Father Bernardino? Yes. Please. Thank you.
1: The Lord be with you and with and your with spirit. May almighty God bless you, may he shine his face upon you, and give you his peace, his healing, his strength, and every grace and blessing you're most in need of. May he protect you from the attacks of the enemy, and may he keep you close to his heart. And may he show you the real value of Christmas, that he has come as a little one, and how we are to become little like him, so that we may enter into the glory of prepared for us by him who gave up his very life for us. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go in peace.
0: Thanks be to God.